This is the Monash Perioperative Medicine podcast series. I'm Jamie Smart and welcome to our first podcast for 2020. The ongoing global pandemic has affected all aspects of our lives, not the least at work. Healthcare workers have experienced a change in work patterns and the stress and anxiety of preparing for and providing care for patients at risk of coronavirus infection. We felt it fitting then to begin this series by looking at the well-being of healthcare workers, how we look after ourselves and our colleagues whilst caring for our patients. Dr Lucky De Silva is the Welfare Officer in the Department of Anesthesiology and Perioperative Medicine at the Alfred. She recently spoke to Harry and Joe Gibbs about strategies to improve well-being for healthcare workers in the midst of a pandemic. Hi, my name's Lucky De Silva. I'm one of the um, VMO anaesthetists at the Alfred and also the wellbeing advocate. Um, today, I am very um, uh, fortunate to have the time um, and pleasure of talking to uh, Joe and Harry Gibbs, um, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. But thank you both so much for your time. Um, it is a very strange time we find ourselves in, in um, uh, medicine, in our careers and life and in the world. Um, and we'll talk a bit more about all the things that we're going through at the moment, but if I could just get um, each of you just to say hello and uh, a bit about your background and then we'll get into a podcast. So I'm Harry, uh, I'm a cardiologist and I'm employed uh, at the Alfred as uh, Program Director of the Outpatients Program and Deputy Director of General Medicine and uh, I've got an interest in physician well-being um, both for the uh, benefit of the um, my colleagues, healthcare workers, um, and also um, their patients. And I'm Jo Gibbs. I'm a registered nurse and have qualifications in mindfulness and yoga. I'm currently studying a master's in counselling, and I founded Treat Healthcare, which is a program that delivers. Uh, sessions for staff working in hospitals and schools based on self-care and mindfulness. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Um, today's podcast, I really want to touch on uh, the stressors that are affecting healthcare workers at the moment, um, in particular um, uh, the doctors that this will be uh, targeting. Uh, we're really at the front line of um, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, anaesthetists in particular are exposed um, at a greater risk given that we do have to deal with airborne, um, uh, airborne generating procedures. Just going into work in the last few weeks and also talking to colleagues and friends, it's really um, uh, quite apparent how how much sort of stress there is um, in everyone's day-to-day uh, -day activities and also just not just at work but at home as well they're worried about um, themselves their families their income um, their work practices and it's it's engulfing us so what tell us some of the things that this is obviously not good for us but also some of the things that we can maybe um, um some tools that we can do to sort of help ourselves i guess maybe harry if you could start talking about um the stressors and how this might be impacting us in terms of a cardiovascular point of view 
Yeah, so this is um, certainly a time of really high occupational stress. Um, and I'm going to be uh, heading up one of the COVID um, inpatient teams um, when we get to the time of uh, increased activity. And so, you know, I personally um, am concerned about that for the reasons you mentioned, Lucky. I'm worried about my own health and I'm worried about bringing this home to the family. Um, and of course, anaesthetists have uh, maybe a greater risk because of the procedures that you all do that um, you know, lead to greater aerosolization of um, the virus and so on. Uh, so it's a, it is a stressful time. And so it's a good time to maybe reflect on the consequences of uh, occupational stress. Now, when we talk about occupational stress, most people think that the adverse consequences are predominantly psychological and the psychological adverse effects are extremely important. But it's also important to remember that there's also significant physical harm that can occur with uh, um, ongoing chronic occupational stress. And I'm a cardiologist, so I'm particularly interested in coronary artery disease. And it's often surprising for people to hear that um, occupational stress or chronic stress is associated with an increased risk of heart attack that is at least um, the same as active cigarette smoking or being diabetic or having dyslipidemia and more than chronic um, hypertension. So this, um, these data actually are very robust and come from some very uh, high quality case control and uh, observational cohort studies. Um, so the, the uh, observation has been known for or made and, and appreciated for quite some time that occupational stress leads to this increased risk of heart attack. But the mechanism for that um, has really only been potentially elucidated more recently. And there's been some extremely important and interesting work looking at um, PET scans. Now, you'll know, um, anaesthetists will be aware that um, the uh, physiological uh, changes that occur in response to stress are mediated through the amygdala. So the amygdala um, scan your brain's thoughts and observations for things that are potentially challenging or uh, dangerous. And if they um, find those thoughts or observations, then the amygdala begin to lead to changes that lead to the physio physiological responses of stress. So there's immediate um, activation of the sympathetic nervous system, for example. But more chronically, there are also other changes. And in particular, the amygdala can lead to um, inflammation by bone marrow activation. So there have been some studies that have uh, looked at the uh, amygdala activity using PET scanning that show that individuals who have higher amygdala activity have higher bone marrow activity, but importantly have increased arterial inflammation. So the concept here is that chronic stress leads to chronic amygdala um, activation, which then leads to bone marrow activation where there's production of um, inflammatory um, 
cells, in particular monocytes, which then become um, tissue macrophages lodging in arteries leading to arterial inflammation. And the arterial inflammation then leads to the genesis of um, arterial events, heart attack and stroke. So this has really been kind of a fascinating um, development in the understanding of how stress leads to heart attack. Um, and I think it uh, gives us um, greater sort of reason to then be doing something about the stress and trying to reduce stress to help try and reduce both, both the psychological but also the physical harm that can go with it. What we're facing right now, Harry, really is chronic stress, isn't it? I mean, this has been going on for a couple of months and we don't really know how much longer it will um, face us. So we, we're really in that sort of um, cycle of chronic stress at the moment as healthcare workers. We are. And um, so I think, uh, as you said, uh, right at the moment, um, we, we don't know how long this is going to go for, but there, are, you know, it may be many months actually before we have any respite. And a part of the stress is really um, I guess uh, seeing what's happened overseas um, and knowing that um, you know the sort of uh, terrible situations that we've heard of in uh, the US and Italy and Spain uh, could be going to occur here. So um, yeah, the anticipation of what might happen is um, extremely stressful. And from an occupational point of view, what are some things that we can be mindful about? in trying to mitigate the sort of physical stresses, if you like? Yeah, so, so look, there has been um, considerable uh, study of methods that can be used to reduce um, physician um, burnout, um, and burnout is a consequence of chronic occupational stress. And the things that work really fall into two categories. Firstly, there are organisational change um, that are required. And in particular, the organisations that we work for um, have to ensure that we have appropriate rostering so that we're not you know, having to work um, excessive numbers of hours. We have to have appropriate um, uh, workloads. So again, we don't have excessive um, patient loads. And we have to be able to work in a safe environment and with the epidemic that we're facing at the moment what that really means is ensuring that there's um, quality um, personal protective equipment um, and enough of it so that we can all um, you know be wearing it at times of increased risk to um, you know minimize our chance of catching this um, infection so that's the organizational side of it and that's extremely important but then there are personal changes that, um, or actions that one can take that will also uh, help reduce the risk of um, the consequences of chronic occupational stress. Um, and they include uh, um, exercise, meditation, um, uh, sleep, and so on. But maybe, lucky we could uh, cut to Jo um, because uh, this is her area of expertise more than mine. Yes, I think that's a great segue for Jo to 
tell us a little bit about um, now sort of the physiological response that we experience with anxiety and stress um, and how we can, you know, take some um, action about mitigating some of those effects? I think the first key thing is to validate what we're feeling because it's it's going to be impossible not to feel anxious at this time, especially with all the information that's coming in. And it seems to be changing quite regularly. Um, so we're sort of burned by a lot of incoming information, conversations, and there's such a thing called emotional contagion. So when we've got, well, when we're surrounded by individuals who are feeling anxious, that spreads more quickly than a positive emotion such as joy. So if we're working with people that um, have come to work and they're feeling high stress, they've been listening to a lot of information and they're feeling, you know, the effects of uncertainty, then that will spread through our team. So um, we will expect to feel anxious at these times. It's uncertain. It's unpredictable. We're worried about our safety. And what I'm understanding and what the evidence has showed is that if we can even name that, if we can actually say, you know, I'm feeling worried, I'm feeling concerned, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling grieved, then that actually allows the prefrontal cortex to calm down. So what we want to do is we want to be able to calm our amygdala so that we can have more clarity. Because if our amygdala is going off like a smoke alarm or a met call, then our prefrontal cortex, our executive functioning, which is where we're able to plan and to stay organised, will go offline. So by actually just stopping and just noticing how we're feeling and naming it, there's a saying, name it, you tame it, then Mm. that can actually help the beginning of that self-regulation process. And if we can all just, I mean, during the day, just to be able to check in with ourselves, how am I going? How am I going physically? What am I feeling? All these sensations. How am I feeling emotionally? And just to name it, um, that will actually help us recalibrate so that we can try and keep our executive functioning, our executive part of our brain functioning as best that we can so we can make clear and wise decisions because if we go into that habit loop of thinking and it's often that anticipating um, doom and gloom then we the whole brain gets flooded with cortisol and it affects every system in our body our immune system musculoskeletal system cardiac system and we just find that like a mouse on a treadmill just going around and around with this you know, these stories. And so if we can hijack that by just stopping and going, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I'm noticing, which is known as grounding. Where are my feet? What's supporting me? Um, What can I smell? What can I see? What can I taste? What can I feel? Then that actually stops that, that loop of anxiety. And we need a little bit of anxiety to keep us motivated because that um, gives us a little bit of cortisol and it keeps us purposeful and aroused. But when it goes, gets to the point where we're actually, you get that brain fog. You know, sometimes when, you, when you're running around, and I used to notice when I was nursing and <laughs> I was multitasking and the bells were going off and pages and, and I'd go into the, you know, into the treat room and I'd sort of go, what the hell did I come in here for? 
and I couldn't remember whether it was a catheter or a dressing or and and it was because you'd have this brain fog I wasn't actually thinking clearly because there was too much going on and I was often overwhelmed and so if you can just stop and go and just notice your surroundings and even taking a breath because that relaxation response that ability just to take a full breath then that actually can decrease our heart rate it can reduce our blood pressure it can it influences our vagus nerve which um has the ability to correct the you know our autonomic nervous system it has a direct link with the parasympathetic nervous system so that we can calm down enough to come back to clearer thinking um and so i call it the abc you know um a abc acknowledge so awareness this is yeah. what comes first. Where am I? What's happening? Awareness. What's happening in my body? And then acknowledge it. I'm, my muscles are feeling tight. My shoulders are up to my ears. My heart's racing. Um, and I'm feeling really anxious. And then B is for breath. Can you just take a full breath in and, and make it deep in the belly, that diaphragmatic breath, because we know that that actually can calm down the sympathetic nervous system. And so that breathing and grounding, where are my feet? You know, my feet are on the ground. And often thinking about your feet, you're actually really far away from your amygdala. <laughs> the <laughs> furthest point. And yeah. so to be able to feel stable and grounded, it calms the amygdala. It's like we're stroking the amygdala through our feet. It's really, it's amazing how quickly that can affect the brain. And then C is like our care plan. You know, what can I do to care for myself? And there's so much in the care plan. You know, that's an act of kindness towards ourselves, which instantly decreases that threat arousal. And, that's, you know, that care plan could be, sorry, you're going to Sorry, I was me. just going to say that's a great, great way to actually um, look at it is the ABC, um, yeah. which we do every day, but the ABC for us. Yes. Um, I just wanted breathing. to... Yes, exactly. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you quickly two things. One is we are surrounded by very um, anxious and stressed people when we go to work. What is it we can do in responding to them? Because as you say, it's very infected, that anxiety, and then it mm. just does um, put a cloud over the whole room and um, you, you notice that the more anxious um, people are there, sort of just the whole team gets into that um sort of stressed state is there something mm. as an individual that we can do in responding to this to try and um, kind of decrease that level of anxiety that's surrounding us yeah so um, you know even the ABC if um, I think even acknowledging as a team and it just might yeah. be you know I've had a shitty day today I'm and the fact that we're actually normalizing it to a certain point, we actually know that we're in this, it's a collective thing that we're feeling. And that just because we're feeling anxious doesn't mean that we're not credible, we're not intelligent, we're not wise, that, you know, we can still function. And then everybody else begins to relax because they're like, oh my God, I don't have to push this feeling away because that's yeah. another stressor. When we're trying to, and it's called um, emotional dissonance. So when we're trying to push a feeling away, especially as healthcare professionals, we like to feel that we're in control, we've got this sense of responsibility, we're on the job, and so we don't like feeling anxious or feeling as though we don't have a handle on things. So we, we fight that. Mm. And it's 
And when we do that, there's a rebound. We actually get more anxious. <laughs> and so I think if we can, as a group, go, and, and it's like a huddle. Okay, how are you guys going? And, and often sometimes before a ward round, we'll name it. How are you feeling? And staff will go, I'm hungry. <laughs> you know? mm, or yeah. um, actually, I didn't get any sleep last night, so I'm really tired. And so we're actually knowing what we're dealing with and we're doing it with kindness. We're not judging. We're going, you know what, this is normal. And, and, and when we did this in one of the ward rounds, the intern said, I'm starving. Um, I didn't have time for breakfast and da-da-da. And this was morning tea, sort of mid-morning that we were doing this ward round. The consultant went and bought him a muffin. And so there's so much good that comes out of just sharing yeah. and validating and normalising. So we're co-regulating. And, and that changes, it changes the team, it change, changes the energy in the team, but it also changes our brains because we're not in threat arousal. Mm. And so if we can start off with doing that, then I think we're actually halfway there. That's a very good point. And what are the, are there sort of short, simple things that we can do in the day-to-day when we're at work to try and um, look after ourselves? So mm. um, with the care plan, for example, are there sort of small, you know, uh, simple exercises that we could do in the day that we can inc- incorporate while we're sort of doing our busy jobs? Yeah, so um, I like to keep it simple because in the hospitals, um, in schools, we don't have a lot of time. We don't have time to lie on the floor for 45 minutes um, every day whenever we want to. So it's almost like a pause and um, and often I just say start with one to three minutes. Um, we have the, uh, the Treat app, which was designed um, by two doctors and myself, um, which is owned by Alfred Health. It's a free app for staff, which is designed for healthcare workers by healthcare workers, which have very short pauses that you can incorporate into your day. There's a met call, there's a hand washing, there's a before work, after work, there's a whole bunch. There's about 40 something meditations. Mm-hmm. Um, but something really simple, and I often say to staff, even when you wake up, you know, think of three things. And we, we do it the three rule. So take three breaths. Because often we wake up, it's to alarm, we're already in fight flight and we're anticipating the day and we're already in doom and gloom. <laughs> we're already in high cortisol. So can we start with just, you know, three breaths? That's nourishing ourselves. And, and then thinking of three things to look forward to. And we know that when we're thinking of, you know, something to look forward to, it's like the reward part of the brain. We're actually getting a bit of a hit of dopamine, keeps us motivated. It could be as simple as a cup of coffee. Or, okay, tonight I know that I'm going to be able to get to bed by 10 o'clock or it could be a 20-minute walk or, you know, having a chat with someone that you actually really like. Um, So keeping it really simple, three breaths, three things to look forward to and keeping that three-minute sort of or the three things going during the day. So can I take three breaths in between seeing patients? Can I... um, you know, and even with movement, we know that anatomically we have three planes in the body, mm-hmm. the sagittal plane, the coronal plane and the transverse plane. And even moving in these three planes, because we know movement, exercise, that completely changes our energy. It's known as mitochondrial biosynthesis. We're increasing our mitochondria. We're um, increasing our heart rate, which is diversional. 
we're actually not thinking of stress. We're actually in the body. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of chemical changes that go on, which are incredibly beneficial for us. So even just, you know, when you've got a pause, just doing some stretching in three different planes. Um, and uh, what's a, a great tool is the square breath. And that's mm-hmm. taking three square breaths. And that's basically, it's used in the police force and military. And it's known as pranayama. So mm-hmm. it's basically you breathe in, you could breathe in for three seconds. So you're breathing in and counting to three. Then you're pausing, you're basically holding between that inhalation and the exhalation. Mm-hmm. Then you breathe out for three and then you pause for three. So you can do that square breath when you're on task with things. And that will keep you centred. It'll keep you self-regulating. It'll keep your mind on the job and your focus and your clarity. And it'll calm your amygdala. That's fantastic, Joe. Those are very simple things that we can do in the day. Um, and I particularly like that square breath because I think that's, you know, physiologically I can see the reasons for doing that. And practically it's such an easy thing to do um, mm. that we can incorporate into um, all the tasks that we need to get through in a day i think we might leave it there for now um uh, and we look forward to um having you do the rest of recovery session with us um in a week or so um thank you so much um thank you both for your time and harry for all the work that you're doing at the moment um i'm sure you're inundated and hopefully we'll all um, have some more tools now to look after ourselves with thank you lucky and um It was great just all of us being together and just talking about it because I think the more that we can actually come together as, you know, individuals and share our experiences and because everybody's different and the more we're actually helping each other because we we don't know, we don't have a map for this. No, you're absolutely right. Thanks, Lucky. Thanks, Lucky. This is clearly a time of um, stress for all of us. (laughs) However, it's also, I think, a time of great opportunity and it's a time for us to be able to review how we've done things in the past and um, maybe look at whether we can do things more efficiently and better going forward from here. And already we're doing that with telehealth and video conferencing and so on. But it's also a time for us to consider the well-being of healthcare workers and this has been a topic that's been Um, really sort of um, bubbling along in the background for some time. But now is the time, I think, for us to take this opportunity to really get the well-being of our health staff onto the forefront and give us an opportunity to really do something about it so that we're looking after our healthcare workers because that will mean that there's a better workforce and there'll be better outcomes for our patients. Thank you both and keep on looking after yourselves and each other.